Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise. Thank you for tuning in today for a little Texas history. Today, we're going to continue the series I've been doing, visiting various sites that were important in the Texas Revolution and interviewing the directors of these historic sites to get a feel for what you can see if you want to go explore some of the places where important pieces of the Texas Revolution occurred. And today, the last episode we did was the Fannin Battleground. Well, after Fannin lost that battle, he and his men were marched back to Presidio La Bahia, where they had been holed up, and they were eventually, almost all of them, executed on the orders of General Santa Ana. But the Presidio's history goes way back. It was built in 1749, and uh, it's got it's a traditional Spanish Presidio. Much of the original construction is still there. Uh, Some of it has been redone by necessity, of course. It's hundreds of years old. The church was built that's within the Presidio walls, was built in 1749, has been a church since that time, and continues to serve as a church for the Diocese of Victoria. So I got to sit down with Scott McMahon, the director of the Presidio, and talk about the history of the place and, of course, the events that occurred during the Texas Revolution. Now, a word about the audio. We conducted this interview. Uh, the Presidio is closed to the public during this 2020 coronavirus pandemic. Hopefully, that will change shortly. This episode's being released in late April 2020, and we all hope that that changes and that it gets to open back up. So it was just he and I at the Presidio, and we did the interview in the 1749 church and so the volume might be a little low and there might sound like there's a little echo and uh, but I couldn't pass up the chance to spend some time in that hundreds year hundreds of years old place and as a matter of fact uh, most of the men most of the Fannin's troops were held and when they were being held in the Presidio were held in that very church so we were talking about the Texas Revolution And uh, those men's, uh, certainly the spirit, we didn't see any ghosts, but the spirit of the revolution was very much present where this interview was conducted. So that was a special opportunity. So enjoy this interview with the director of Presidio La Bahia, Scott McMahon. Scott, thanks for being on Wise About Texas today. I'm glad to be here. Now tell us, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your career and what your position here at uh, the Presidio is. Um, I am the director of Presidio La Bahia. I started off uh, as the assistant director here in 2014, worked my way on up, but I have been involved in uh, Texas history sites since about 2006. I started out at Washington, actually Barrington Farm, and then moved up to Washington on the Brazos. But I've been doing, doing living history and been involved in Texas history since I was about 14. Well, tell us, the Presidio and the chapel uh, is a little bit different than your regular Texas Historical Commission sites. It's actually owned by the Catholic Church. Yes, sir. It's owned by the Diocese of Victoria. Um, that's That's been um, been in the, the church's hands since the 1850s. And uh, they picked it up just because they wanted the chapel back because this was the, the parish church at the time. And the surveyor that came out actually surveyed the entire fort. So... They ended up with a fort and a church. 
So they purchased the land where the fort sits in addition to the church. Yeah, actually, they, they, uh, they did buy it back from the state of Texas. They built it in the 1700s, and then uh, it reverted into the Republic of Texas hands, and then they bought it from the state in the 1850s. Well, that's quite a title history. Yeah. So uh, the church is here and still active, is that correct? Yes, sir. We have mass here every Sunday at uh, five o'clock. And then talk about the fort. It was uh, built on this site, what, 1749? 1749. And then um, is, is what the public sees here at Presidio La Bahia, the original fort? Portions of the walls are original. The, the footprint of the fort as it exists today um, you would be familiar with from about 1790 on up into the 1830s. Uh, but over the years after the revolution, the fort t tended to, to fall into disuse and uh, some of the walls fell down, the buildings fell down and it was restored in the 1960s. Um, but yeah, there, there's portions of the walls that are original, the chapel is original. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's not a ground up rebuild kind of a thing. That's interesting. So what uh, people can come out here, what will they see? when they come to Presidio La Well, we've got Our Lady of Loretto Chapel, which as I said, is original, it was finished in 1779. We have the walls and battlements bastions from uh, the fort from the 1790s, 1830s. Basically what you'll see when you come here is the fort as it looked when Fannin was here in 1836. So you've got a pretty good idea of what uh, the Texans that were here during the revolution would have, would have been seeing and where they would have walked and lived and, and uh, carried out their daily lives. What sort of uh, programming do y'all do to interpret this site for the public? Our biggest program of the year is the uh, Fannin Massacre reenactment. We do that the last weekend of March every year. It's weekend closest to Palm Sunday. And uh, that's a couple of different battle reenactments and some living history programs and encampment within the walls. But throughout the year, we try and do stuff generally on a monthly basis, uh, just programs that focus on different periods of history from the Spanish period on up. Uh, different, uh, we've got a program coming up in the fall on the Kentucky Mustangs that were here during the revolution. In June and July, we do a program called Wayback Wednesday. So every Wednesday we uh, have an interpreter in period clothing working on uniforms, equipment that was used here, just uh, kind of a hands-on thing for the, mainly for the kids since they're off during the summer. And uh, it's been a real popular program. People, people bring their kids out uh, every summer. Uh, kids learn things. They don't realize they're learning things, which is kind of what we're, we're shooting for is we want to keep educating them about the history that we have here. Well, let's go back a little bit before the revolution. I, I mentioned to the introduction to this episode that we're in the middle of the 2020 coronavirus pandemic and so the facility is actually closed at the moment right? yes sir but uh, by the, many people will hear this uh, right before it opens back up hopefully or after it opens and they can come out here um, and it's obviously a critically important part of the Texas Revolution which I'll ask about in a second but let's go back to 1749 when you said it was built what, what are some of the activities that would have gone on here? It was built originally to protect the mission systems that were here. We've, we've got a mission across the river. We've got a mission down in Refurio, one out on the west side of town. And the fort was built to protect the missions and to, uh, to help and assist with the uh, large cattle herds that they had here. We had around 40,000 cattle in the area. So the troopers that were stationed here would have kept up with that. Uh, they would have carried mail between here, Bear, and Nacogdoches. 
And then uh, at some point, the customs house was established here for Spanish Texas. And that's really what put this place on the map as far as its importance. Um, you've got all the goods coming in and out of here. And that was also why all these different filibustering expeditions that came into Texas in the early 19th century uh, came to Presidio La Bahia with an eye towards taking it over because they could control the goods coming in and out of Texas. And this was really the only serious fortification that existed in Texas at that time. So it was, it was a pretty active place from the Spanish colonial mission era all the way up through, uh, you know, Mexican independence because of that. It really is amazing when you look at the history of this place, how much happened here. Mm -hmm. I mean, just so much. Um, let's fast forward a little bit to 1836 um, and Fannin occupying this place. And then he went a little bit west of here trying to get to Victoria. Is that right? Well, yeah, Victoria's to the east. Um, I'm sorry, the east. Yeah, yeah. he... he he headed up to, uh, briefly made an attempt to go up towards uh, San Antonio uh, to, re to relieve the Alamo. Of course, that didn't work out as, as oxen and, and equipment broke down, and he turned around and came back. And he basically spent most of his time prior to the massacre reinforcing this site. Um, they dug ditches inside the walls. They threw up a picket palisade, strengthened the walls. Uh, drilled his men. The men complain in, in their diaries because they have to drill three hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon. And we've actually got a section of that, that entrenchment that we did uh, recently. If they were drilling three hours in the morning and two in the afternoon and digging, digging holes out here, these guys were pretty worn out. <laughs> I imagine. Uh, but yeah, they, they stayed pretty busy fortifying and, and training the troops that were here. And of course, the battleground is a little bit to the east, but before that battle, when they tried to leave, they came back here, mm -hmm. right? And then they leave and, of course, are captured. And the fort is captured. Mm -hmm. And they're imprisoned here for a period of time. Yes, sir. And then tell uh, what happened. Tell the story of the massacre. Okay. Well, after the Battle of Coletta Creek, Fannin and his men were brought back here to the Presidio. Uh, they were held for about a week, in, actually, inside the chapel where we're at right now. So, so several hundred men in, oh, yeah. in the chapels. Probably, I would guess, around at least 300 men were, were packed in here. Uh, so it was pretty tight, uncomfortable quarters. But at the end of that week, they were told they were going to be sent home. They, they were split up into three groups. One of the groups was told they were going down to the coast to uh, be put on ships and set, sent back to the United States. The other two were told they were going to collect wood and water. Everybody was in fairly high spirits, so they marched out of the fort three different roads, uh, one back to the west, one to the north of us, and one kind of back to the southeast. And about a mile outside of the fort, each one of the groups was halted. The Mexican soldiers that were escorting them stepped off the side of the road, turned on the Texans, leveled their muskets, fired into them, and they massacred them. Um, the men didn't, for the most part, didn't know this was coming. Uh, this was a surprise to them. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that the wounded that were still here at the fort that weren't able to be marched out heard what was going on. I mean, you can hear gunshots all around out here. It's, it's pretty open. And they were drug out at that point then and shot. And Fannin was one of the last men to be shot. He was shot here in the chapel courtyard. And uh, that basically did in the, uh, the command and, and the garrison of Fort Defiance. Let me see if I can do this on an audio podcast. But if you come out here and you can climb up on one of the battlements of the fort, you can look out over the valley, mm -hmm. basically. 
What do you know where the men were marched? I mean, can you point? We we have a pretty good idea. If you if you were to stand in the bastion in front of the chapel, that's the northwest bastion, and you look uh, to the west, slightly northwest, uh, about a mile out that direction or, or a little less, is where one of the groups was taken. The other one was taken to the north northeast and marched down towards the river, and that's where they were massacred at. The other one was back back to the south, and you could see that general area from the, the southeast bastion, opposite end of the fort. But um, today, a lot of this has, has grown up. Historically, it was, it was a lot more open. Uh, trees were cut down for firewood, for building, that sort of thing. And over the years, it's all grown back. But had you been here in 1836, you, you probably could have seen almost seeing these men where they were at. I mean, they were that close to the fort. But yeah, if you stand up there today, you can, you can kind of get the idea of where these guys were taken. Well, folks can look at pictures before they visit and when they visit the chapel, that's obvious prominent structure within the walls. What, uh, describe the execution of Fannin. Fannin was taken out into the chapel courtyard and uh, was seated in a chair about where the gun ramp comes down today, the gun ramp in the west wall. And uh, that's where he was actually executed at. Um, we know this because there's uh, period accounts from men that were with him at the time. Uh, they say when he was shot, his uh, you know, body fell out of the chair and his cap rolled off into the ditch. Well, there's only one ditch in this chapel courtyard and it was along that west wall. So you could actually see that, that spot where he would have been shot at right there. And um, it's pretty, I think it's pretty special that you can be here in the same place where these men were at and where these, these historic events took place. And I mean, you're walking the same ground that they were. Yeah, that really does make, this place uh, is one of the sites in Texas where you really can feel connected mm-hmm. because so little has changed relative to yeah. the change that is, has occurred at other places. Um, but Fannin and the men were not buried here. No, they weren't. They were um, collected up and the Mexican army attempted to cremate them, just like the soldiers at the Alamo had been done. From what we understand, the wood that they had access to was fairly green, didn't do a good job of it. They buried the men in shallow graves. And then the Mexican army basically moved on. They, they were headed east um, you know, towards what we know as the, the San Jacinto portion of the campaign. And the... Uh, Coyotes, the wolves, the dogs that were left in town here ended up digging up the remains and scattering them across the prairie so that when the Mexican army retreated back through in uh, late May, early June of 1836 and General Rusk followed these men uh, on their retreat, when Rusk's army got here, they found the remains of the Texian soldiers. They collected them all up, reburied them in uh, one mass grave and that is today where the monument stands, uh, just to the southeast of the Presidio. Uh, so they were collected up in, in June of 1836 and reburied. And then, of course, in 1936, 1937, we have a centennial, you know, events that are taking place in, in Texas. And uh, a big marker basically was built to, uh, to commemorate the grave of Fannin and his men. So they do rest near where they fell or as close as yes, sir. would have been possible. But what's interesting is there's also graves in the courtyard of this chapel. Tell, tell us oh, yeah. about those. We, we have uh, several graves here. Um, only two graves are marked. One is from uh, uh, a young lady that was, we think uh, she contracted some sort of yellow fever, um, cholera, tuberculosis. She, she contracted some disease here in the area 
and passed away. She's buried in the courtyard of the chapel, uh, Annie Taylor. Uh, previous director, Newton Warseka, is buried here, probably the first person to be buried here since the mid-1800s anyway. And uh, there's quite a few graves that are out here that are unmarked, uh, probably had wooden crosses or, or headstones at some point, and they just disintegrated over the years. Some of the family members can still go out and point to where their, their ancestors are buried. Uh, inside within the walls of the presidium? Within the, the chapel courtyard. Oh, the chapel courtyard. Oh, yes, sir. It would have, it would have been the, the same as a, any Campo Santo in front of a church, uh, just like you would have had at San Fernando and San Antonio. Uh -huh. Inside the chapel, we have an individual that's buried on the south side and a cluster of uh, burials on the north side that we think those were probably yellow fever victims as well. And then somewhere in the grounds, um, uh, William Augustus McGee was buried. Uh, he, he died here in 1813 during the Gutierrez-McGee expedition and was buried within the walls. So, uh, so there's quite a few, and it's not unusual to have this at a historic site like this, quite a few burials here. Well, you've, you've sort of begged the question now. Talk about some of the archaeology that has been done out here. We've done archaeology off and on over the years. Uh, the major archaeological digs that were done here were done in the 60s during the Restoration. And uh, they found a massive wealth of artifacts. It, it, from the things that they found, it almost looks like the place was just abandoned, that people just dropped what they had and left. Um, but we've done digs over the years. Um, we have located some of the, what was originally going to be a, a cistern, but became a trash pit. Um, we were doing the, the uh, program the other day where we were digging the ditch to recreate the defenses that Fannin and his men built and found quite a few little pieces of pottery shards and, and uh, a lot of cow bones and smaller animal bones from, from refuse pits, basically, that the, the, the Texians were, were uh, making while they were here in 36. So we've, we've found a lot of stuff. There's some unique archaeological uh, finds like uh, pottery that only exists at this site that's, that hasn't been found anywhere else in Spanish colonial Texas. So we've, we've got a lot of neat stuff, and all that's on display in the museum. Well, not all of it. I have cases of it in the back on storage, but uh, a lot of it's up there on display. Well, t uh, I want to talk about the museum in a second, but are there future archaeological projects planned? Is there anything you want to do? That... Um, at the moment, not so much. It's not really archaeological, but similar in that, in that vein is we would like to have the chapel... Uh, the paint that's in here, we want to take this out and have somebody study the, the walls and see if we can find any of the original paint designs that were done here in the 18th and early 19th centuries. And if we can recreate those, um, restore those to what, what the chapel would have looked like at the time. We know that this paint scheme goes back a long way, but we really do think that there was probably decorations mm -hmm. up higher in the vaulted ceilings and that sort of thing. Yeah, that would be interesting to find. Um, so you mentioned the museum, and we hadn't had a chance to talk about that. Talk about uh, what you have in the museum and what people can see. The museum is situated in what would have been the officer's quarters historically and it's broken up through each room in a different period of the Presidio's history from the earliest times on up through the Texas Revolution and the artifacts that are on display in those rooms uh, represent those time periods. So you can see everything from Spanish colonial ironwork. We've, we've got some really neat iron pieces that have existed uh, or have uh, survived over the years, all the way down to pottery that would have been brought here by the Texian forces and uh, military equipment, parts of muskets, rifles, that sort of thing, parts of Mexican uniforms that were dropped over the years. 
So we've got a really great collection, probably one of the biggest collections of um, Spanish colonial and Texas Revolution artifacts from one specific site in the state of Texas. Everything we have on display you know, came from here. We didn't bring anything else in. So it's a pretty unique museum. Well, there's also, uh, I don't know that we call it a bright side, but maybe not quite as negative side to the massacre, and that's the Angel of Goliath. Mm -hmm. And there's a monument to her memory that stands outside the walls. Tell us about her. She was the wife of one of the Mexican officers here uh, during, during the, uh, the Texian-Mexican uh, occupation when the Texians were being held prisoner. And she caught wind of what was going to go on. Uh, obviously, the Texians didn't know, but the Mexican army and the Mexican officers knew that Santa Ana had sent orders that these men were to be taken out and shot. And in an attempt to save as many as she could, the Angel of Goliath started to pull young men, um, some of the teenage uh, participants that were here on the Texian side, and hide them in different locations to spare them from being massacred. So she ended up saving... Um, we think maybe 15, 20 men uh, from being massacred. But yeah, she, she was a pretty unique character. Uh, she went on to end the, her life, live the rest of her life at uh, the King Ranch. After she left here, I don't know exactly what happened between here and there, but she ended up on the King Ranch, and that's where she, she spent the rest of her life. Yeah, she's a fascinating story. And then one more, there's a statue out front of Zaragoza. Talk about, speaking of history that occurred here, talk yeah. about him. So we, we have uh, all this great history from the, the 18th century on up through the Texas Revolution. That's what we're known for, for the most part. But during the uh, early Mexican period, the garrison commander here for this, this, the Mexican forces that were stationed here, his uh, family gave uh, birth to a son um, who was later to be known as the kind of the savior of Mexico for a while, uh, General Ignacio Zaragoza. He was a son of a garrison commander here at the Presidio Company, ended up with his family moving back down into Mexico proper. And uh, if you've ever heard of Cinco de Mayo, I don't know if you've, you've you know, yes. know about that celebration, but a little bit about that. It, uh, it celebrates a Mexican victory over the French at the Battle of Puebla in 1862, and the Mexican general that uh, commanded those forces there was Ignacio Zaragoza, who was born just outside of the walls of Presidio La Bahia. So we've got a direct tie with, with that celebration here. So uh, a Texan is responsible a for Cinco de Mayo, yep. essentially. Well, tell uh, everybody, all the listeners, design a day. If they want to come out of here when you reopen, uh, what should they do? Well, we suggest coming out, uh, first going through our 15-minute uh, orientation video. We've got a little video on the history of the Presidio. Watch that, stroll the grounds, uh, go through the museum. You, if you're one of those people that, that reads every... Uh, every wayside interpretive panel, you're going to be here for a while. But uh, most people like to kind of pick and choose what they want to read about, what they want to look at. Visit the museum. Uh, walk the walls and the battlements here. You can get an idea of what the country might have looked like around outside at the time. Uh, we definitely encourage you to visit Our Lady of Loreto Chapel, where we're at right now. This is one of the oldest active chapels in Texas, um, having been in use since 1779. And uh, once you do that, and, and that'll take you a good hour and a half, I think, uh, to be fair. Some people are going to stay longer. But uh, after you do that, I would suggest you step right across basically the, the block here from the Presidio and visit the statue of the Angel of Goliad 
and then go ahead down the trail to the burial site, the, the Fannin Memorial Monument. And that's all within just a, a short walk. I mean, you can see it from the walls here. And uh, that'll give you a pretty good idea of the history here and what you can see and then stop across the street and visit the Zaragoza house. It's a recreation of where we think he was born at and you can see that as well. And that'll give you some history on Zaragoza. Well, Scott, that sounds great. And, and hopefully you'll be reopened soon and everybody can come down here and experience this place. Thank you so much for your time today and being on Wise About Texas. Sure, thanks for having me. Well, that was a really special opportunity to spend some time in Presidio La Bahia, and I enjoyed it very much. The Presidio's address, if you're trying to get there, is 217 U.S. 183 in Goliad, Texas. And if you go into uh, Goliad on 59, uh, you will see it's kind of a main intersection. It's where the Whataburger is. You turn south on 183. And uh, the Presidio is right there outside of town. I encourage everyone to go there. It really, I got to tell you, there are so many special historic sites in Texas. But for whatever reason, the Presidio is really special to me because it is such. it was such an important place in Texas long before the Revolution. It's always been a very important uh, place in Texas. And you really can feel the history when you're there. So I hope you'll visit soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wise About Texas. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Wise About Texas. You can go see the Wise About Texas Facebook page, and if you do, please like it and share it. If you get a minute, leave a review on iTunes. That helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to support the preservation of Texas history, you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash Texas and do it there. Thanks for listening today. Go out and do something for Texas. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.